Hey there, folks. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to give you a heads up about an exciting event coming up. Our first ever documentary-style episode titled America on the Knife's Edge drops May 15th. Following that premiere, we'll be hosting a live QA session on May 16th where you can join the conversation, ask questions, and share your thoughts on the topics explored in the episode. Visit OutrageOverload.net to sign up for the event. I'd love to see you there. Okay, let's start the show. Welcome to Outrage Overload, a science podcast about outrage and lowering the temperature. This is a bonus episode about a terrifying ATM robbery and the social media site next door. It was just another typical day for Elaine, not her real name, a busy mom running errands and making stops along the way. She had just pulled up to the local ATM, feeling confident and safe in her own neighborhood. But as she began her transaction, she was suddenly accosted by a masked stranger who demanded as much money as she could withdraw. Elaine, terrified, complied. Shaken but determined to warn others, Elaine took to the neighborhood social media site Nextdoor to post about the robbery and encourage her neighbors to be vigilant and take steps to keep themselves safe. Little did she know that her innocent plea for caution would spark a firestorm of political outrage and victim blaming. Her story was quickly hijacked by those with an agenda, twisting the narrative to fit their own political beliefs and fanning the flames of division and rancor in the community. What began as a simple call for safety had become something else entirely. Here's the story. 99% of the people were so nice. You know, I've gone to that branch a million times and even think about it. And so I, after dinner, took the dog out for a big run and um, went, oh, shoot, I got to get to the bank. And so that's why I was there at like at 10 o'clock at night. But I've done that a hundred times, honestly, a hundred, at least a hundred times, you know, just pop in and grab and go. So um, it was, it was like any other day, right? Just going to do my usual stuff. But this one had quite a twist, had a big twist. This is how the local paper reported the incident. A town resident became the latest in a string of victims to learn the hard lesson that thieves favor bank robberies because that's where the money is. As we reported shortly after it happened Monday night, the victim was at the ATM when she was approached by a heavyset black male who demanded all the money she could withdraw, backing up the demand by mentioning that refusing, quote, wasn't worth your life, end quote. 
The suspect menaced the victim by gesturing to an unseen firearm, and his demand was met. It, my hands were shaking, and I was crying, of course, and he was mad that I was crying, but I'm like, oh. My God, I go, I go, you are scaring me. You have a gun or something to that effect. And I, you know, so he, he let me get through it all and punch the numbers in, which I did. Elaine is a mom living in a small town, or at least the folks that live there consider it a small town. And we think of it like a little town and, you know, you know, I know everybody at Trader Joe's, you know, they all know my name. It's a suburban town, affluent. People come here for the semi-rural small town vibe with its historic downtown and lots of beautiful parks and open spaces. So when Elaine was robbed at the ATM, it seemed like a pretty big deal, not just to Elaine personally, but for the sleepy little town. She thought she'd be a good neighbor and post a heads up to the social media site Nextdoor. I know what's so funny. My posts on Nextdoor, it's, well, I sell things on Nextdoor. It's it's like, um, like right now I have some Christmas decorations up for sale on Nextdoor. It's just really, you know, stuff like that. It's like, oh, you know, or does someone need to buy a, you know, a paper shredder or something like that. So it's just little things I sell on Nextdoor. Those are my posts. And I, unless it's like, oh, gee, someone's dog's missing or, you know, how, or help, yeah, people, donations of things, you know, just that kind of stuff. But I thought I should post because I think it was pretty shocking for it to be in our little town that we all love. I mean, it's, it is a small town in a lot of ways. So I thought I was doing the right thing by posting, hey guys, heads up. Look what can happen to you when you would least expect it. If you're not familiar with Nextdoor, it's a platform where communities can come together and share information on their local area. As Nextdoor states on its website, quote, we believe that by bringing neighbors together, we can cultivate a kinder world where everyone has a neighborhood they can rely on, end quote. You know what? 99% of the people were fantastic and super supportive. Really, really nice. Really, really nice. And a lot of private messages on Nextdoor, they, you know, DM'd me and, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe it. And you're so brave and really, really nice. I mean, it's so necessary for so many reasons, you know, like, let's just say your dog got out of the backyard and you need to blast an alert. What's, there's no better way. There is no better way to send it out the next door and you will get, oh yes, I saw, you know, I think I saw your dog down the road and it's great for a lot of reasons, but it can be dicey for it's like a trigger for some people and i don't get it because i never comment on on anyone's post other than you know if it was some uh, you know something i guess something supportive or nice like oh gosh i'm sorry about your cat lost cat or something like that you know when i asked elaine if she had ever had any bad experiences from those previous interactions on next door here's what she told me um no i honestly i've met really nice people because i like i said i've sold uh, my my dad passed away a couple of years ago and I had to kind of empty the house. A lot of selling on Nextdoor, a lot of it, especially it was during the pandemic. So, um, you know, I had people coming to the house nonstop buying random things because I just needed to empty a really large house. And um, people were really, really nice. I, everyone, rarely would I have a, a bad, I can't think of, I even had one. I mean, sometimes people would jibber jabber too much about pricing or something. I don't know, but no, really great. Really great. Um, and, uh, yeah, this time the 1%, they just took it as a, a reason to start, you know, spouting their own political beliefs and why did this, you know, appropriating my story for their political agenda, I guess, which that made me mad.
I saw this post on Nextdoor, and I saw the drama associated with it. And that was really the reason that I reached out to Elaine. I, I had heard that she was even thinking of considering getting off of Nextdoor entirely. The comment thread went off in a couple of directions that were not great. First is the political side that Elaine mentioned, and we'll come back, we'll circle back to that. The other side was victim blaming. Now, if you talk to victimologists, and victimology is a subset of criminology, they say that's a pretty standard thing, that we blame the victims because we don't want to believe that the world is dangerous and somewhat random and that this could happen to anybody. So we think if we just did this thing or if we just wore different shoes or if we did this or we looked a different way and we were more careful here and there, and there's some truth to those things, but there's nothing that's going to completely protect you. And also, you know, if you're used to doing a certain behavior, I mean, there was nothing unusual about this trip to the ATM. As Elaine mentioned, she had done it a thousand times before. And so she didn't expect to have to do anything particularly special, hire a security card or something. Uh, she expected this to be an uneventful trip to the ATM. But that victim blaming is very common. We do that again for our own fears. We don't want to believe the world is dangerous. We don't want to believe these kind of things can happen to us. And the truth of the matter is they can. You know, and for your education, don't do that. Like, that's the worst thing you can tell to someone is that, oh, if you would have, what if you did this? Or what if you did that? I wonder, you know, don't do that. Just don't do that. Now, on the other side, the political side, you know, we had this th comment thread, you know, started to go down. It was half victim blaming and half political. You know, they would say things, oh, because you voted for this or that governor, that's why you have crime like this or things like that. So now you have this traumatized victim of a terrifying robbery being traumatized more online. And so that got just out of control. And at some point, Elaine cut off the comments on the post. After 100 comments, it's enough. We don't need any more comments. A lot of the victim blaming centered around the fact that Elaine was at the ATM at 10 p.m. And I said, hey, listen, this world, our world operates. It's not like our grandparents' day when they were all kind of locked up in bed by 6 p.m. I mean, everyone was home. Now people work 24-7 and I... I wanted to point out, like, when people are enjoying their meal and they leave, you know, at like 9.30 or 10, guess what? What do you think those people are doing that are there? They're not out till midnight. And so when someone says, why would you be out at 10 o'clock at night? I'm like, what? Um, what about a doctor? What about a fireman? What about any medical professional? Retail, Target's open till midnight now. And people are out and about doing things. The police said that, too. They said, you didn't do something that was unusual or strange or weird he goes it's 10 o'clock it wasn't like it was 4 a.m or 3 a.m and i was you know drunk in the parking lot or something i mean I, it was 10 o'clock at night and there were other cars in fact another car pulled up just a few minutes later to use the atm at some point the frustration was just too much and she deleted the post entirely i'm old enough that i've taken it in perspective but i also it, it did irritate me anger me um i pulled the post down so that tells you i was pretty mad. Elaine had suffered enough. End of story, right? Of course not. What happened next caught Elaine off guard. You can tell it was an older gal and she reposted my story, which is what I didn't like. She reposted and that's when people really started to go off 
Um, then people started thinking it happened to her and we were saying her name and saying, oh, sorry, you know, Nan or whatever her name was. Oh, it happened to you. And I'm like, oh, my God, it didn't. She I think she was just trying. She wrote, oh, scary, which was fine. And uh, she's older, but I, I pers- sent her a DM, but she didn't respond. And I guarantee you it's because she doesn't know what that is or how it works or you know, she would have written back. I, I could tell. I said, please close comments. Please take the post down because it's going down a bad path. And it's, I just, I, you know, I said, I really don't appreciate that. My story is out there now, my name connected to now what is, you know, a, a political discussion about, you know, Republicans versus Democrats. So now this other post is out there and it's gone sideways, just like the original post. But now Elaine can't do anything about it. She can't cut off comments. She can't delete the post. And it's just out there, a toxic stew of political rancor and victim shaming. Meanwhile, the requests for updates kept coming in from the 99%, the well-intentioned folks. People were so... They were just on me. What does he look like? What does he look like? What kind of getaway car? And, you know, all of this wanting more updates. So I did give an update. This is what I know. The police had obtained surveillance footage and they had a few other updates for Elaine. And she passed those on in her update post. Interestingly enough, the detective got the film back and said, you're not going to believe this. The guy was wearing a mask the whole time. And I said, I don't. He was a foot away from me. I don't remember that. Yeah, he said, your adrenaline probably was pumping and your heart was probably, you know, at a thousand miles a minute. And I didn't even, I was looking in his eyes and trying to obey. So unfortunately, they do not have a um, a clear picture of him. I mean, I just remember, you know, he's looking in his eyes for sure. But yeah, and he said, don't, this happens all the time when people, their adrenaline is pumping. They, I could have sworn I saw his face. He was literally standing right next to me and then going through my wallet and he had a mask on the whole time. I'm like, wow, I don't even that. He goes, that just shows how scared you were. This guy was a professional. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. Show me your bank balances. He wanted to go through all the cards, see the balances. So he's, it wasn't a kid or some homeless guy or, you know, somebody strung it on drugs. It was, no, this is what they do. The local news was reporting this as one of a string of such robberies and that the cr- criminals were still on the loose. With that information and updates from the detective, in an effort to continue to be a good neighbor, but somewhat reluctantly, Elaine posted her update with that information to next door. And by now, you can probably guess how that went. So, yeah, that that of course, that irritates me. And I, you know, they start off nice. So sorry this happened to you. But if we we hadn't elected and they, you know, the D.A. is wrong, the you know, our governor is wrong. And it, it was a story about me and safety saying, hey, you know, heads up, this can happen in our neighborhood. And more victim shaming. Why were you there? <laughs> Why were you there at 10 o'clock? And how much, how could you, didn't you just lose $100 because everyone wanted to list what their limits were? And I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to school you that every bank is different. Everybody has different limits, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then, so, oh, and someone decides to have a gun. You know, I'm like, I mean, honestly, a loaded gun in my hand. I'm, I'm juggling my wallet my cell phone, a loaded gun, and an ATM card. Yes, that sounds brilliant, brilliant, so. And it continued to spiral. There was one gal in particular who 
sort of attacked me, then private messaged me and all this and just said, I, you know, kind of very much victim shaming and people are, what she said to me, people are exaggerating violent crime and what happened to you wasn't, she wanted to argue the fine points of the law, it wasn't armed robbery. And I had to let, I had to, you know, kind of push back and say, well, it was according to police. If someone threatens a gun, says, I have a gun, says, threatens your life. Um, that is considered armed robbery. And so why am I having to like school her about this? She reported me, reported my husband. I mean, as, and said we were, um, said I was grandstanding. I'm like, grandstand, I'm like, and so yeah, grandstanding. I'm like, oh, this is the last thing. I didn't even want to post the update. Let me tell you that, I, had, I was done with it. But people were so anxious to hear what this person looked like. So. I did it because I'm like, all right, enough. And there were some nice people that I know who are in town. And, and so I thought, all right, I'll just let you know. So I did. You know, and now I've talked to the police a bit more and, um, you know, about these people. So it, it, it's something absolutely that was uh, that was a professional criminal who did this. Um, and, and so I have more information. that It is nothing anyone could have avoided. But interestingly, people will say things like, I might have fought him off. I'm like, what? what? Um, and the police said, you would never, if someone has a gun, you don't, I mean, yeah, you absolutely don't say, I, you know, shoot me, but, you know, and someone said, well, if they shot you, they wouldn't get the money. I'm like, well, they, oh my Lord. Okay. They might just shoot me because they're mad now that I didn't give them my money and, or push me into the concrete or I, you know, do something terrible. And just because now they're angry. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a very naive and weird thinking. I don't even, I can't wrap my head around someone thinking that if someone had a gun and said, I need you to do this, that you would, what I was going to go, um, what, Jean-Claude Van Damme on them and just, <laughs> like, hang on, I've got some karate moves I need to show you. What? So, well, I did try to run. I will tell you that. But he said, oh, stop right where you are. I'm like, okay. He goes, this isn't worth losing your life over. And so I, I was, and I was in agreement with that. So, you know, it, the police, they said, you did the right, I absolutely did the right thing. It's exactly what you should do if you want to save your life. I asked Elaine what was next for her. And I mentioned that I had heard she was thinking about quitting next door altogether. Um, yeah, I'm not quit, you know, because honestly, I have, there, there are real reasons for it. And it's everything from, you know, posting like you need you need someone to be a pet sitter. You need some kid to babysit. You need, some, you know, there's there's so many real great reasons for it. Um, you know, like I said, I sell things nonstop. I have I mean, I have someone coming over off of next door in, in a few minutes to because um, they wanted to buy something from me. You know, so I what I did was I I was going to just quit it for a while. And some people private messaged me and said, you know what? nice, kind people said, Hey, here's what I would do. Just don't go on for a while. Um, you know, shut your, I, I realized shutting the comments down was the first step and then removing the post. That was great. And now that story has kind of been buried a bit. I think it's not really top anyone's mind anymore. Um, that did help. So yeah, it's going to make, well, God forbid this ever happens to me again. I don't know there'd be a reason for me to make this kind of a post. <laughs> again, I hope not. God, I hope not. Yeah, my all my other posts need to be oh, moving sale or you know who wants to buy some used skis or something. Um, that's yeah. Uh, 
honestly, it's, 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 I'm not saying it's this incident, but I, I can't even tell you how much more it pushes me to, and not that I don't want to change the world and I do, but man, part of me is like, I want some peace. <laughs> so I can't wait to get to my farm. I got my move to a farm with some animals and just try to live, uh, you know, try to live a more calm life and not have this, this kind of just, you know, um, anxiety about all this all the time. I just, who needs it? We don't need it. It seems that no matter what the topic, politics has a way of creeping in and taking over the conversation, with the voices of the 1% drowning out the concerns of the rest. One could argue that it is not inherent to the platform, but rather a reflection of a larger issue in society. People have become so entrenched in their political beliefs that they see everything through a political lens and are quick to raise the temperature even when it isn't necessary, helpful, or appropriate. But I think it's fair to say that Nextdoor could do more. They're evidently failing to live up to their marketing literature to, quote, cultivate a kinder world, unquote. Instead, Nextdoor is a toxic and unwelcoming place where communities participate at the mercy of crass bullies. Michael Wood Lewis runs a service called Front Porch Forum, a precursor to sites like Nextdoor, serving Vermont, that appears to have cracked the code. People have said that Front Porch Forum only works because it's in Vermont. And Michael admits that it's an open question, but adds the following. When looking at some other competing services that were, shall we say, inspired by Front Porch Forum, but then they you know, married that to the big tech VC-backed business model, you know, it's not hard to see uh, frankly, disaster on the horizon when you looked at early decisions. Early decisions were the marketing some, you know, ran like an ad for a gated community, you know, a virtual gated community, you know, scared of them? Join us, you know, like, and we'll close the gates. It's not, you know, inclusive, it's exclusive. But it gets to me to a larger point. Um, they're all premised on the Silicon Valley, VC-backed, big tech mindset of, okay, how do we do this? How do we scale? And how do we make a 10x return in a few years? And, you know, basically, how do we go in and extract all the wealth and, and throw the husk to the side of the road? So, gee, I wonder why it's hard to have a tool that builds healthy local communities with that framework. I mean, it's frankly ludicrous that people would imagine you'd get a good end result. Michael says the secret to running a healthy online community of neighbors is healthy moderation through paid moderators and non-surveillant advertising. Nextdoor did not respond to my requests. That is it for this episode of the Outrage Overload podcast. For links to everything we talked about on this episode, go to outrageoverload.net, where you can also find past episodes. You can also find past episodes on Apple, Spotify, and all the major podcast apps and platforms. 
You can follow me, David Beckmeyer, on Twitter, at Mr. Blog. Follow the show on Twitter or Instagram, at Outrage Overload. We are also on Facebook, slash Outrage Overload, where there is also a Facebook group to talk about the show. If you would like to help the show, to help pay for transcription, hosting, and other costs to make the show better, there is a page for contributing on the website. If you really want to support the show, tell everyone you know about it. Share it on social media. Let them know. All right. See you in a few weeks. We'll be right back.